how do you decide what is best? Each day we find ourselves trying to make choices. And some choices are, are important choices and others aren't. One of the choices that sometimes I make is, do I have fried chicken or do I take the roasted or baked chicken? Not a really important choice, except for April thinks it is an important choice. Because she doesn't want me to have the fried chicken. Boo. She wants me to have the baked chicken. Not an important choice on my part, but for April it's an important choice because she wants me to be healthy. So she would hope that I would choose baked chicken. Now when April's here, you guys know, when I'm with her, I'm going to choose baked chicken. But when April's not here, I like to go to Mr. D's and pick up a couple, three pieces of chicken. And I'm going to blame this on Alan Brown because when I was helping him and working with him, often he would bring a couple breasts of fried chicken and some potato salad and we'd sit and enjoy the fellowship. And so that's not an important decision, but we make decisions throughout the day. So another decision we make is what socks do we wear? Now, guys... I know what we do. We open the sock door up. We stick our hand in, grab a pair of socks, and stick them on and go out the door, right? Not an important decision to us, but to women, it's a real important decision. They open up the drawer, look through all the socks, find the right color, put them on. No, that's not the right color. Take them off. Put them on. Take them off till they get the right color that matches their outfit. Not an important decision to us, but to them, it's an important decision. So how do we make decisions? Some of the decisions are very, very important. Like, what kind of car should I buy? That's an important decision in Wyoming. You need a four-wheel drive because snow is here. When you come from the south, you don't need a four-wheel drive unless you're out mudding. But most of the time, you're not. And so you choose a two-wheel drive. But So a car is a pretty important decision. Another important decision is what kind of job do I need to have? I need to get a job that's going to help me to uh, pay the bills and take care of my family. That's an important decision. What kind of house should I buy? Or or is this the right time to buy a house? Or should I I continue to rent? Important decisions, right? They shape what happens in our lives. High school seniors. And I know we have a couple in our congregation. And they're starting to think about college. And what college should I attend? Or they may be trying to make the important decision of, do I really need to go to college? Is college really all that important? Those are important decisions. And so each and every day we're faced with different kind of decisions we have to make. Let me change the question a little bit. And it is, how do you make the best decision about gifts? Not about gifts to give, but about gifts to receive. Over the past couple weeks, we've been, well, for the last couple months, we've been in in the book of 1 Corinthians, and these last couple weeks, we've been talking through the, and listening as Ken has been taking us through chapter 12. And in chapter 12, we've talked a lot about gifts. We've talked about gifts of the Spirit, and, 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 and Paul takes us, has been taking us through, and, and we've been following the lives of the church of Corinth, and, and their lives are not much different than our lives. And we've seen that they struggle with some of the same sins that we struggle with. And they, they, 
Their life struggles are very similar to our life struggles. And we also see that in the church of Corinth, there are certain gifts that God has given the church. And God has given those same gifts to us. And so when Paul was writing the letter to Corinth, uh, he, at this point, we're in chapter 12, and then there's going to be a break, and that's chapter 13. And then after that, we're going to go back into looking at gifts. And actually, when this letter was written, it was written without any chapter breaks or verses. It was just a long letter from Paul. And so if we were in the church of Corinth, someone would get up and we would sit here for maybe two hours, three hours, and listen to someone read this letter to us. And so this morning, as we're looking through this passage, we're looking at chapters, uh, chapter 12, verses 27, and, and I'm thinking we're going to go through ch- uh, chapter 13, verse 3. We'll see depending on the time. Let's read together. Now you are the body of Christ and individual members of it. And God has appointed in the church first first apostles, second prophets, third teachers, then miracles, then gifts of healing, helping, administrating, and various kinds of tongues. Are all apostles? Are all prophets? Are all teachers? Do all work miracles? Do all possess gifts of healing? Do all speak in tongues? Do all interpret? But earnestly desire the higher gifts. And I will show you still a more excellent way. If I speak in tongues of men and angels, but do not love, I am a noisy gong or a clanging cymbal. And if I have prophetic powers and understand all mysteries and all knowledge, and if I have all faith so as to remove mountains, but have not love, I am nothing. If I give away all I have, and if I deliver my body to be burned, but have not love, I gain nothing. Paul's recapping with us this morning what we have been talking about and what Ken has been sharing with us throughout this whole, this, this whole book, chapter 12. And he's talking about gifts. And, and then he's going to move from gifts to another subject, love. Apostle Paul is wrapping up and summarizing everything that he has to say about, about our gifts. This is the third time he tells us that we don't get to choose what gifts receive. we receive. God's the one who chooses those gifts for us. And in verses 27 and 28, we we read, now you are the body of Christ and individual members of it, and God has appointed in the church. You see that? God is the one that appoints. God is the one that gives these gifts to us. It is his, and, and his, and, and it's his desire that every single one of us, when we came to saving knowledge Jesus Christ as our Savior, we were each and every one given a gift. And those gifts were given to us by God. Then you jump all the way down to verse 31 and it says, but earnestly desire the higher gifts. So there's kind of a little bit of a confusion here. If God is the giver, but then he says we're to earnestly desire a higher gift, what does that mean? Does that mean we're supposed to go after specific gifts? You know, I like the... That's the English Standard Version translation. And I like the New Living Translation. It says, 
So you should earnestly desire the most helpful gifts. Paul is coming to us this morning and he's telling us that there are, we're all given gifts by God, but there are gifts that are more helpful than other gifts. And I like that translation. Paul also reminds us in 27 that you are the body of Christ, individuals, members of it. So we're all part of his body. Paul's saying that only, only Christ in us and the only way people are going to see Christ here in Lander, here in Fremont County, here in Wyoming, and throughout the world is through his body. And we are his body. And his body has been given gifts. And so with these gifts, we use them in order to, to reach out to our local community and to uh, help one another. Individual members. So we are individually given individual gifts. But we're members of one whole body. You remember last week when Ken closed up the message, he closed up, I think, on verse 27. And he talked, it says, if one member suffers, all suffer together. If one member is honored, all rejoice. One member suffers, all members suffer. And I don't, remember, I don't know if you remember, but I remember clearly one of the illustrations he talked about is something that seems not so significant about himself. Do you remember what that was? It was his big toe. And so the big toe is part of his body. And though he didn't realize it, it's a very important part of his body because it gives him balance. And the scripture says that we suffer together. Not we should suffer, but we do suffer together. If Ken stubbed his big toe, guess what would happen to the rest of his body? It would suffer with him. How many people have had an ingrown big toe, toenail? All right, some of us struggle with it, some of us don't. I used to, as a kid, have bad ingrown toenails, big ingrown toenails. And so when my big toe would get ingrown, it would cause me tremendous pain to the point where sometimes I had a hard time sleeping at night. Now, some of you know that when I was younger, I was involved in a farm accident, and I crushed my left foot. And in the process, I smashed... One of my toes, it was a toe next to the small toe, all the way in. And long story short, after surgery and whatnot, I ended up getting gangrene and had to have part of that toe removed. So whenever I go surfing, I can only hang nine and a half. I can't hang ten anymore. <laughs> but I remember as I was going through that process that my whole foot was just throbbing and throbbing and throbbing. And without medication, I often didn't sleep well at night until that completely healed up. And so, uh, you know, when one part of the body is suffering, all of us suffer. And so what Paul says here to us in verse 26, and just a reminder to recap it, is that we're all together in this. Uh, Paul tells us that, uh, that when we suffer as a body... We should, not, not, not we should, but we do. And I, I want to commend every one of you. You know, um, Ken and Lorenda have been struggling and been suffering because of little Priscilla, like Ken calls her little P. 
she was born with a, with a heart defect and some other struggles. And we as a church have been struggling along with them. We've been praying with them. We've been encouraging them. And we've been doing exactly what Paul says, that when, when one part of the body suffers, all of us suffer. Because you see, uh, even though uh, Cody and Leela aren't here in Lander, and even though they are off in another state, they're still part of the body of Christ. And so we struggle and suffer with one another. I've heard many of you give requests about brothers and sisters and aunts and uncles and relatives that are struggling with different kinds of diseases or different situations, and you request that we pray for them, and we stand alongside one another, and we suffer through it. Suffering is something that, it, you know, we, it's easier for us to come alongside people who are suffering and, and, and bear, bear with them um, in, in, that, in that burden. And I, I just want to say to you guys, you have done a tremendous job, and you continue to do a tremendous job in, in fulfilling what, uh, what uh, the Scripture says here. The second part of it sometimes is a little more difficult, and I'll confess sometimes it's difficult for me. If one member is honored, all rejoice together. This is something that's often difficult for us. Let me give an illustration. If uh, someone pulls up right next to us in the parking lot outside in, our car, in, in a car or a truck, we look over and we see it is a brand spanking 2017, maybe 2018 you know, F-350, King Ranch, totally loaded out. Are we jumping out of our car and going, man, this is great, we're so glad you got this, and wow, isn't this amazing, and God has blessed you. Or is it, wow, I wish I could have something like that. How in the world can that a person afford that? I, you know, I know what they do, and there's no way. I would submit that probably the second way is kind of the answer that we have. I often catch myself and go, man, I wish I could do that, or I wish I had that. Instead of going and saying, you know what, I am so glad, and I rejoice with you. Now, I can give you an example where I know that you did that with April and I. Three Sundays ago, you remember three Sundays ago what happened? After Ken was preaching, I came up because I had gotten a text message and it was a text message from my son that said, Dad, after years of searching and struggling, I've made a decision to follow Jesus as my Savior. We all rejoiced. And I know we did because many of you came up and you gave me a hug. And we've been struggling together through this. And we're all rejoicing together through it. And that's the way it is. So the Denver Broncos won the Super Bowl. And Jamie will not let go of that. The day that they won the Super Bowl, there were 53 members on the roster. But do you know how many Super Bowl rings were given out? Over 150 Super Bowl rings were given out. Rings were given out to the 53 on the roster. Rings were given out to those on injured reserve. Rings were given out to those who practiced all season, but never dressed for the very first time. Rings were given out 
to cheerleaders. Do you know why so many rings were given out? They were given out because that team and all of the football teams understand that it takes every single member from those who only practice to those who cheer. And you know what? Even the ones who were traded in the middle of the season and went to another team got a ring. I don't understand that. But that's how they rejoice. They rejoice together. They got it. They understand it. And in the same way, we need to do that. We need to be rejoicing one with another. Suffering together and rejoicing together. Because it is all about the body of Christ. Each of us here in Lander has been given a gift. Every one of you has been given a gift. And the purpose of that gift is for all of us to rejoice, all of us to suffer, all of us to struggle together in Lander and bringing uh, God's kingdom here. Now, I don't know about you, but I know that there was a time in my life when, when, I'm, when I asked the question to myself, uh, how do I know what my gift or gifts are? And this week I came across a list of seven things that might help you. The first thing is we all need to realize and accept that we're gifted. We just need to understand that. When we came to Jesus Christ and we received Him as our Savior, we were given a gift. Scripture is very clear about that. And so that's the first thing is to realize that we're all gifted. The second thing is pray and ask God to show you. The Scripture says we need to to ask, seek, and knock. And it's not to ask God and seek God very specifically for one gift or another, but to say, God, what is it that you've gifted me with? What's the gift you have for me? Or what are the gifts that you have for me? It doesn't bother God one single bit if we come to Him and say, Lord, you know, I don't understand. What gifts? He's not playing hide and seek. He just wants us to come and ask Him. And He will show to you what gifts He's given you. The third thing is, ask, what do I want to do? What are some of the passions I have in my own life? Because quite possibly, your passions follow your gifts. What do you like to do? What are the things that, that start to motor in that boat? Or put the skis on the shoes. I don't know what it is, but whatever it is, look at it and see that there's probably a gift that precedes that. And so whatever you have a passion with, or a passion for, more, like, more, than, more likely, there's a gift that's behind that. The fourth one may not make a whole lot of sense, but it's just do something. You know, you could sit on your knees, bow before God for 20 years, praying and asking God to reveal the gift He has for you. But unless you get up and start moving forward, you're probably not going to discover it at all. So if you see a need, move forward towards that area. And you'll discover what God has for you. So get up and start doing something. The next area is, Look for the needs and opportunities that are around. We have plenty of needs and opportunities in our congregation. And there are things that are going unneeded. 
And it might be possible that those areas are not being fulfilled because there are people who are not exercising the gift that God's given them. Now, I know that a lot of you are exercising the gift God's given you, but we have a lot of needs. And so start looking around and seeing needs and opportunities that present themselves. The next area is ask a fellow believer. This might be hard for you, but you know what? It's possible. Go up to a person in the congregation that you know loves Jesus and say, hey, how am I doing? Can I ask you, do you see any gifts that God's given me? You've known me for a while, and, and I'm struggling with this, and I'm really trying to identify what gifts God has for me, and what, what gifts God's given me. More than likely, the people that are hanging around you can pretty much say, I know what gifts you have, because I see it. It's really clear. You may be blind to it, but they know exactly what it is. Like, some of us love to have parties, and we love to throw parties. So what might be attached with that gift? Gift of hospitality, maybe? Or what? Organization. There's all kinds of gifts that go with a party. Those are passions that you have. There are those of you that when you see someone in need, you drop exactly what you have, everything that's going on, no matter how important it is, and you go over and you help that person. Gift of helps. Very evident. And the last thing is look around and affirm others. When you see a gift in somebody's life, go up to them and say, you know what? I love what I see going on. And I see that this gift is something that you're using and you're actively using. I want to challenge us this week to find somebody in the congregation that we know and it may be someone in another church. It's okay because we're all part of the body of Christ. But write them an email. Sit, sit down with them for a cup of coffee. Go down to Lander Bakery or the Catholic uh, donut shop down there. Or the, Mr. D's has a place you can grocery shop and meet them there and sit down and have a cup of coffee. And during that cup of coffee, say, you know what? I really appreciate what you're doing. And this is the gift that I see God using in you. And I just want to affirm that gift to you. If you're in the millennial crowd, you might just want to pick up your phone and text and say, hey, dude, <laughs> gift of helps all over you. Cool. Um, so that might work for you too. But take some time and, and, uh, and affirm in people's lives the gifts that they have. So each of us have been given gifts. Now, now in chapter, uh, chapter 12, verse 31... Paul says, but earnestly desire the higher gifts. So are all gifts equal in importance? Or are some more important or more necessary than the other? That's a question that often comes to our mind. What does he mean by earnestly seeking the higher gifts? Well, you know, I told you about my accident with my foot and getting my toe cut off. Um... My toe is an important part. It was the toe, this middle toe, this toe right here next to the pinky toe. And so that's the one I lost. It's an important part of my body, but my body can continue to go on without it. Most of you guys in here who have been coming to church for a while has had the opportunity of shaking the hand of Rob, uh, Al, Al Robertson. 
Now Robertson lost a couple of his fingers on his right hand in an accident. But that hasn't kept him from not being able to do all kinds of things. In fact, in fact, I spent time with Al right here in this building, and he's done a lot of this work. Al himself has done a lot of this work. And so it hasn't slowed him down at all. And talking to Al, if you ask him about it, he goes, well, you know what? We have 10 toes and 10 fingers. You know why? Because some of them are spares. And when, he, when he's talking to some younger children and they see that he's missing some fingers, he goes, oh, it's okay. They're up in heaven waiting for me. When I get there, God's going to put some super glue and put them back together and everything's going to be okay. Now, can Al and I get along with parts of our body missing? We sure can. But I know that sometimes you think I run around with a, like a chicken with their head cut off. And if I didn't have my head, I wouldn't be able to exist. If I didn't have my heart or my lungs, I wouldn't be able to exist. The same thing with Alan and for all of us. So we need, there are certain parts of our body that we absolutely have to have. And, and when Paul is talking about these gifts, he's saying that we are to earnestly desire gifts that are more important than others. There's some that we can do without. Now, uh, the church in Corinth was really... Uh, excited about the gift of tongues because the gift of tongues is a gift that's kind of an ecstatic, kind of an exciting gift. Um, But often the gift of tongues is is a gift that draws attention to the person more than it helps uh, others in the congregation, especially when it's done wrong, especially when the gift of tongues is exercised in the improper way. And quite often that happens. I've been in situations where there has been someone who's manifested in a gift of tongues and there's been an interpreter that comes right behind it and, and the attention has not been on the person who has, get, who has given the word or, or the, used the gift of tongues, but the attention is focused immediately on the interpretation of what was said. And in those situations, I've been thoroughly blessed. But the gift of tongues is more of a, a gift for the person himself, not so much for everybody else. And so Paul's saying, you guys are all ecstatic about this vocal, verbal gift, and and it's really more about yourselves than it is about the church, and so you should earnestly seek the more important gifts. And then he, he goes in 28, and he says, and God has appointed in the church first apostles. So there's kind of an order that goes on. Um, why apostles? Well, the reason for apostles is because po- the church was built on the apostles. You remember in Acts chapter 2, when the Spirit of God came upon everybody, there, there's, it says that they spoke in tongues. But then ex- immediately after that, then, then the apostles were sent out. And Peter was sent to the Jewish people. And Paul was sent, in, and that's the first part of Acts. And the second part of Acts, there's, it talks about the life of Paul. And, and so the church was built on the apostles. There were quite a number of apostles. And there's a... There's a mark of an apostle. The apostle had to have seen Jesus after his resurrection in the bodily form. An apostle uh, was commissioned by Christ. And and an apostle, uh, wherever he went and when he proclaimed the word, there were signs and wonders that took place. Now, in Peter's life, it tells us in the first part of Acts that uh, if he was walking along and the sun hit and formed a shadow, if 
His shadow went across somebody who was sick. They were immediately healed. I would say that's a sign or a wonder, right? A proof that he's an apostle. Uh, Paul was a tent maker. And it says that wherever his handkerchief or his apron, whenever it was brought and a, and a person touched it, they were immediately healed. Even a person who was uh, infested with evil spirits, the evil spirits had to depart. Signs and wonders. And so here it says first apostles. And then it says uh, the second thing it talks about is, and then God appointed first apostles and second prophets. Immediately, I probably most of you are thinking like I think. A prophet is someone who predicts the future. But you know that in the Old Testament and in the New Testament, that was a small portion of what a prophet actually did. A prophet is, was the speaker or the voice of God, the one who proclaimed the word of God to the people, both in the Old Testament and the New Testament. So the apostles came in. They started the church, told people about who Jesus is, and they never hung around an area a long time, a couple weeks maybe. And then they would move on to another area and, and, and tell people about who Jesus was, and there were signs and wonders that accompanied them. And as they left, God raised up prophets, people who God spoke through to build the church up. And so first we have apostles, and then we have prophets that come along. Ephesians chapter 2, verses 19 through 20 says, So then you are no longer strangers and aliens, but you are fellow citizens and saints and members of the household of God, built on the foundation of apostles and prophets. And Christ Jesus himself is the cornerstone. And so everything is based on Christ. So Christ is the message. The apostles came and prophets, and that's where the church began. And so... When he says the greater gifts, earnestly seek the greater gifts, well, if we didn't have apostles and prophets, we wouldn't be here today. There are some people that wonder or uh, there's a lot of discussion if the, if, uh, the, the office of a, an apostle is still around or if prophets really do exist. And I don't want to take time this morning to go into all of that. Uh, if you want to, we can sit down and discuss it. Uh, because there are differing views about that. But what the Scripture is saying here is that there is an order, apostles, prophets. Then the third thing is that the third are teachers. And teachers are, are very important because uh, at, in around the first century, uh, the prophets were still there, but, but God raised up teachers in, in each of the congregations. And we have a lot of teachers here, uh, in, in the, in, at least in the West and around the world, and a teacher is someone who takes God's Word, studies God's Word, and expounds on it, delivers God's Word to other members of the body and helps them to understand what Scripture is, is saying. They take the time, they discern it, and they give out the Word. And that's important because as you know the Word and you understand the Word, then you understand the will of God for you in your life. You understand what gifts are all about. Do you know that in the... Um, in the first century, it was really, really hard to get a hold of Scripture. In fact, if you wanted to buy the, the book of, uh, of Mark, it would be, on the average, a whole year's wages to buy just the book of Mark. 
I think last year in the United States it was about 53000 is the average income across the nation in households. So that means that the book of Mark would be around $50,000. If you bought the whole New and Old Testament, over 80 books, $4 million. That's pretty precious, isn't it? But, I, but most of us have three or four Bibles laying around our houses, right? Some of us have a couple Bibles in the house and one on the truck dashboard. Others of us have that and we have Bibles on our hand phones and Bibles on our notepads and Bibles are everywhere. They're prolific. And so sometimes that can bring breed complacency. We've got, you can go online and listen to teachers from around the country that are teaching God's Word in amazing ways. And teachers are important. And God's Word is super important because it's through God's Word that we find out the will of God for our lives. And so apostles, prophets, teachers. And then he goes on and he says that, um, that, that there are then miracles and gifts and helping and ministrating and various kinds of tongues. It's interesting and as we look through the passage there that, that tongues is always at the bottom of the list. And the reason for that quite possibly is because that's not the gift that does the most work for helping and growing the body of Christ. And so Paul says that we, we should earnestly seek after the greater gifts, asking God uh, to help us. Now, in verses uh, 29 through 30, it says, Are all apostles, are all prophets, are all teachers, do all work miracles, do all possess gifts of healing, do all speak with tongues, do all interpret? Well, you guys know what the answer is. No, not everybody does that. We do parts and pieces of that, but nobody really does all of it. There's no way. And in verse 31, Paul says, But earnestly desire the higher gifts, which would be gifts that would help one another, and I will show you still a more excellent way. This leads us into chapter 13. And that excellent way is that in everything we do, it's to be done in love. Now, I'm not going to move on today because we're running out of time. And I know that Pastor Ken is chafing at the bit to bring chapter 13 to us. Chapter 13 is is a passage that uh, usually is preached in a wedding setting. But it's it's got a lot more than just to do with a wedding. It has a whole lot to do with the gifts that we, that we have been given and how we're to use those gifts. We're not to use the gifts begrudgingly, but we're to be using those gifts in love. And so next week, Pastor Ken will come and he'll share with us about chapter 13. So in closing, I want to remind us that each of us have been given a gift. These gifts have been given to us at Jesus Christ's choosing, at God's choosing. He's the one that chooses them. When we became followers of Christ, when we gave our lives to Christ, each of us were given a gift. We're to all suffer together. We're to rejoice together. And we're to use our gifts to build up the body of of Christ or Christ's kingdom. We need to learn what our gifts are and use them in love. Because without love, the use of those gifts 
or nothing. Remember, my challenge to you today is find someone this week and affirm in them the gift that you see God is using in their heart. Because they might possibly be a person like a lot of us wondering, what is the gift that God has given us? There's a list of seven that I gave you. Look at those seven if you're trying to figure out what God's gift is for you. Pray and ask God to show you. And He will. Let's pray together. Heavenly Father, thank You for Your Word. Thank You for the gifts that You've given each of us. Help us not to sit on our gifts, Lord, but help us to use our gifts for Your honor and for Your glory. Help us to earnestly seek after gifts that that uh, edify and build up the church, Lord. And though some of our gifts may seem insignificant, Lord, they're super significant in this body. And so help us to discover them and help us to use them in a way that will bring you honor and glory. Because, God, you have brought us here, every single one of us, those who have been born here and those who have moved here to Lander. You have brought us to yourself for the express purpose of reaching the people in Lander and the surrounding communities with the good news of Jesus. Help us to use our gifts in growing your kingdom. In Jesus' name I pray.